Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, it's your boys John Lee. And Jack Coughlin. And welcome to another episode of Courtside, a Clips Nation podcast. Today, we're going to be going over the Clippers' past few games and introduce a new original segment. But first, uh, I must apologize that we should have introduced ourselves in our debut episode. That is my bad. I should have put that in our format. Well, my bad, Jack. It's all right. We're rookies to this. You know, we're yes. Brandon Boston and Keon Johnson. Exactly. Just a bunch of potential, but it's not there yet. Anyway, uh, I'll start with myself. Uh, my name's John Lee. I started talking about the Clippers on Twitter for I want to say like two years ago and then I decided to create my own Twitter account which is at courtside underscore clips follow me I'll follow you back um, and shortly after I created that account I just got an opportunity to write for a small site called last word on sports and then following that I got an opportunity with Jack to do this podcast with Clips Nation. I'm very grateful for, and Jack's very grateful for. I've played basketball uh, my whole life up until college. And then I've been a season ticket holder for the past few years. I'm actually canceling them next season just because of some certain uh, circumstances. I don't know. And I've been going to games since 2006. Uh, Yeah, that's me. Jack, you want to introduce yourself? All right, great introduction, John. Yeah, I'm Jack Coglin, Jack Clippers on Twitter. I'll also follow you back. And I made uh, my Twitter account a long time ago, like with the Lob City Clippers, but I never really used it. And then 2019 summer free agency, of course, when we got Kawhi and Paul George, I started to really use Twitter because I want to see all the updates like, oh, is Kawhi coming? Is Kawhi not coming? And that was like a really fun, stressful free agency because I really thought he was going to go to the Lakers. And so I started to, you know, try to find more Clipper fan Twitter accounts, got added to some group chats, got connected with more guys, started talking to them. And then, of course, you know, Kawhi and PG end up joining the Clippers. And so that whole season, I start to really use Twitter because it's probably the best, you know, Clippers team that was that was created uh, was that season. And so I really, really started to tweet more. I started to view tweets more every game. I was trying, I was looking at everyone and seeing all these new accounts that are Clipper fans and, and started to talk to way more people. And I really just started to tweet more, even though I would get, you know, zero or one like every tweet. It was just fun to, to let my thoughts out somewhere. And you still started to just game. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. You know, sometimes we miss. I, I do tweet a lot during games because I get very excited and I sometimes just can't help myself and will tweet out random mumbo jumbo. But, hey, that's part of being on Twitter. Sometimes you hit on them. Sometimes you miss on them. And... Yeah, I just started to tweet more and gain some followers, gain some Clipper fans that are super fun to talk to. And I just did it for fun. And then John, I was in a group chat with him and we started talking and he was like, oh, yo, we should start a podcast. And I I didn't think much of it, but then he was like, no, literally, we should really start doing this. And I was like, should we? Is it smart? And I was like, you know what? I love talking about the Clippers. 
let's do it. Who cares? Whatever happens, happens. And so we started doing it and we got this opportunity with SB Nation, Clips Nation, and we're super excited for it. So thank you all for listening and, and tuning into us. It's a great story, Jack. I was a real big fan of it. Anyway, I'm 20 years old, by the way, and I also played high school basketball and I'm trying to play college basketball. And you'll do so. it, bud. We believe in you. Thank you. Thank you for the belief. All right. Are you ready to get into the meat of our podcast now? Bro, I stay ready, Lance Stevenson. Let's go. Love it. Okay. So the first game we're going to recap uh, is the Pacers win on Martin Luther King Day. Clippers won 139 to 133. Batum had 32 points in that game, all in the second half off threes, working the baseline, cutting, just being the amazing French knight that he is. Reggie had 26 points that game, which was pretty cool because he got uh, 13 of it from the free throw line. So that was nice to see. Morris had 21 and 8. Sabonis had 19, 11, and 7. Chris Duarte, who Jack and I were big fans of, had uh, 24 off the bench, and Karis Levert had 26 and 9. So, Jack, what was your impression of that Pacers win? Yeah, that was a big win for us, especially, you know, Pacers beat the Lakers and then the Warriors uh, right after that one. So, obviously, in the, in, the, in the middle of it, we were like, oh, it's just the Pacers, but then, you know, they showed out against the Lakers and the Warriors. So, it was still a quality win. And I was really happy in the second half to see Batum have that 32. Uh, John and I met for the first time at that game, and we went to it and saw it live, which was really fun. You know, met up with some Clippers Twitter people. That was a good time. And so, so yeah, seeing it live, Batum just being in the right place at the right time in the second half, not really dribbling, just catch and shoot threes, catching it under the paint or under the rim and just dunking it. Just great ball movement leading to him being open. And then I was really glad to see Reggie have a big game because literally the day before we recorded this podcast and we were saying, you know, Reggie without PG and Kawhi really, really struggling. I gave him a low rating. I felt really bad because I love Reggie and I I knew he'd come around and yeah, that game. And even the games after that, that we'll start to talk about, he's really came around and, and starting to find a groove. So that rating absolutely would be way higher than it was last week. Um, And yeah, then from the Pacers side, Oh my God, Lavert and Duarte, they were just unstoppable, especially Lavert in that fourth quarter when they, they let a big comeback. Rehearsal game. Um, yeah, hey, you never know. Clippers could pull the trigger on a trade. You never know. And then, yeah, Duarte just, he's a rookie, but he plays like a vet. He's such a polished, polished young player. So those, those two guards, Lavert and Duarte, were really fun to watch on the Pacers. And it was a late comeback by the Pacers, but we pulled it out. Great game, fun game. Yeah, that one, that one was fun. I think at the end, it really picked up a bit. Uh, I mean, the win has a lot more stock now, considering uh, the Lakers and the Warriors wins. So that yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's a good way to look at it. And instead of a team that's literally a walking uh, wholesale with all their players, but you never know. Um, any win is good. So Good for the Clippers on that one. Good to meet you, Jack, for the first time ever. Milestone moment. That's what I'll remember from that game. More, more <laughs> oh, than wow, John, more than you're too kind. Yeah, more than Batum working the baseline. Uh, anyway, we also met Brian Seaman, who complimented our shoes. What a guy! Oh yeah, that was amazing. Honestly, that was probably the best moment of the day. Great guy. Love you, Brian. Uh, yes, love you, Brian. Um, let's see. We okay. we kind of waited for him. We saw him go into the bathroom. And we were like, okay, this, this is our opportunity. We got we got to wait outside the bathroom for him. So we were just waiting outside the bathroom. 
And we got kind of nervous because at the at the crypto.com arena, you know, you can exit a different way out of the bathroom. So we're like, oh my God, did we go wait at both exits? We didn't know what to do. And it was it was a stressful time, but we got to meet him and say what up to him. So we got a photo with him too. Great guy, nicest guy ever. Yes, best play-by-play in the in the league next to Mike Breen, who actually was also on the call today too. So that's nice. Um, let's see. Next, we'll go on to the Denver Nuggets, 130-128 OT loss. Whew. That one was that one was a tough win or tough loss, excuse me. But there was no Batum. He was in health and safety protocols. I believe it was an inclusive conclusive test. And there's no Marcus Morris senior uh, due to personal reasons. I think we found out later that his friend passed. So thoughts and prayers with Marcus and his family. But the Clippers still put up a good fight in that one. They were actually up a good amount of that game. Zubats had 32 and 10, probably the best game of his career. A lot of jump hooks that just looked amazing this past week. He's, he's actually a very skilled center. I think he just needs some touches. There are some plays where he kind of fumbles and it looks bad, but I really think you could just post him up a little bit more per game. Um, Reggie at 28 and 12, and he really attacked Jokic in the pick and roll in that fourth. And that's how uh, he kept the Clippers in it. I think he's also been really good the past week. He's been picking up a bit. I'm a little worried about his uh, endurance and his health. I'm not sure how many knocks he's dealing with while playing, but he's been great. Hope he can keep it up. Hope he can stay healthy. Uh, Brandon Boston at 16 that game. It felt like every basket he had was just super important and helped keep the Clippers in it and it felt like every single time he scored it was like oh wow the Clippers really needed that uh but unfortunately Aaron Gordon had 28 points on four of seven from three including the game winner at the end and Jokic had a pedestrian 49 14 and 10 so Jack there's a lot to take in from that game but what is your general impression from that loss in Denver oh yeah Oh, yeah, man, my heart, that whole end of the fourth quarter overtime was just beat out of my chest. Also, can we certify Aaron Gordon as a Clipper killer now? I feel like every game he's scoring some something crazy that's like it pops out on the stat sheet. Yeah, but I, I think can also we, the we certify him as one. I think the thing about him also is that when the Clippers double Jokic, he's really good at cutting to the basket when, especially Absolutely, whether it's his yeah. defender or some other defender, uh, the first game, the 25 point comeback in LA, he was feasting on those cuts and he's super smart about it. And you kind of have to be, if you're not like a known shooter like that. I mean, this game, he was a good shooter, uh, but he, he's a good player. I, th- I think even last year when they acquired him, a, a part of me thought that I was like, wow, they actually, I think they might be better than the Clippers. Uh, when they first played the Clippers um, in L.A. and beat them. He literally looked like a difference maker, and they were healthy. But, yeah, he, he's a certified Clipper killer. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Not totally. I, I agree. He's, he's He's been phenomenal for them. And, yeah, if they get Murray and MPJ back, you know, they're, they're a scary team for sure. But that ending of the game, oh, my goodness. The Clippers went up by eight late in that fourth quarter, too. Um and we were playing well, but, you know, the MVP of last year, Nikola Jokic, possibly the MVP this year, just so unstoppable, so unstoppable. Zubak was trying everything, everything to try and stop him. But 
it, it was a tough. And then, you know, at the end of that game, uh, Reggie had an amazing game. You know, he had, he obviously had a great game against the Pacers and it was like, wow, this is, this is great. But then he had an even better game against, against the Nuggets. And this is also Kennard's first game back from health and safety protocols. So he was a little bit off. But yeah, late in that game, Reggie was executing really well. Zubak had a lot of clutch putbacks. Like Zubak is making seven mil, dropping 32 and 10 on the MVP on national television. I don't care that the MVP may have scored on your 50-point triple-double. That means nothing, all right? Because Zubak's getting 32 and 10 back on him. It might be be a little something. It might be a little something. 49. (laughs) But, um... No, yeah, and luckily Jokic didn't hit a buzzer beating game winner, which I really thought was going to go in when he shot it at the end of regulation. And then overtime comes. Refs are very, very shaky with some of those calls in overtime. And especially because Zubak had five fouls, he really did not want to foul Jokic because if Zubak got fouled out, you know, we pretty much would have been done for. So late in that overtime, you know, Clippers go up by four. Jokic gets a tip in that the last two minute report says should have been a goaltend. And what really confused me about that one is that they can actually review that. Like they can look, they can call it in the last two minutes and then review it. Yeah. And usually they just call it to check in, which was really, really odd. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but why they, they didn't. Yeah. That. They didn't call it at all. Like why wouldn't like to make sure it's kind of like in football. Yeah, when it was a ball, close too. when a ball gets knocked out and a defender picks up and runs, they usually just like keep it playing. Uh, and then they could just review it. But that, I think that, that was kind of, that was kind of weird. It was really, especially, yeah, Clippers called it out. Like, they were looking at the refs, like, come on, you can review it. But nevertheless, they didn't call it. And then the other weird call, which is when Jokic got that and one after him and Zubok did some weird, oh, like, God. dancing with the stars move together, where they just both expected something to be called. But Jokic gets it. Zubok's out of the picture. He just drives in and gets an and one. He's very, very unstoppable. But then the Clippers still made it a game. We kept on chipping away. We'd get a bucket. They'd get a bucket. It seemed like there was no defense being played because both teams were scoring with these. And then, of course, tied game. Jokic gets it. Double teams like crazy. Amir Coffey and Zubak. But what sucks is that he still had his dribble. So Amir Coffey didn't really want to go off of him. He kind of wanted to stay. He was like, no, because he could still dribble. So Jokic was very smart, took his time, kind of kept it up, fading back. Finds Aaron Gordon, which was the only open pass, and it was only open for like a split second, but that's why he was the MVP. He's an exceptional passer, and he can score with these. So he finds Aaron Gordon, hits the three at the end of the shot clock buzzer. That's the key here, because a player on the Nuggets bench thought it was the game buzzer, and the game was over. So he starts running out like a maniac about to celebrate with the team, and Clippers don't have any timeouts too, so it's not like we, we called a timeout and he could go do that. And it completely, obviously, you know, he's on the court and we have one second or two seconds left to score a game winner. We're down. Uh, and so he gets a technical foul. I was totally confused. I don't think anyone knew what was going on or what was happening. But we hit the free throw down two. And then Reggie gets a half-court shot that is literally the Gordon Hayward half-court shot in the in the college championship game. Oh, it could not have been close. It was an inch away from going in. That was, I dropped to the floor. If he hit that, Oh my God. I would have ran down my street screaming that, that, Oh, it was so close. So, so close, but yeah, seriously, a great game, national TV game. The Jokic zoo battle was great. The Reggie Aaron Gordon battle was great. Really, really fun game. Even though we took the L still very fun to watch. Yeah. I, 
I have PTSD from seeing Jokic do well against the Clippers. I honestly always think about it. Imagine if him and Luka were on the same team and played against the Clippers. Oh I don't think men- I don't think mentally I could watch that. I literally think I would I would not watch the game because they they are both on offense, damn near flawless basketball players, and they just hate the Clippers and they're just that they're that good against them every single game. So. Thank God they don't play on the same team. That's for sure. But uh, another thing I wanted to touch on on that was that was Zubats' career game. Uh, we saw Ty Lue run a play for him out the half, and he had a little a little sh- uh, shoulder shake on Jokic, and he drained a jump hook. It was one of his many jump hooks. He had 15 field goals that game. Um, how many play calls would you call for Avicii Zubats per game? Ooh. I mean, yeah, we were even going to him down the stretch. Like, when he had Jeff Green, the smaller, smaller player yeah. on him, we were going down to him, having him do his hook shots. Like, seriously, that was unreal watching through that game. He's improved so much. And, again, he's only making seven mil, giving us giving us all this. Oh, man, I'm not really sure. How I mean, how many do you think they run? I'm going – I don't know how many they run. I know I've seen some. Like, they'll run, like, a little flex – uh, flex screen for him into a post entry, but you don't see it too much. Mm-hmm. I think you you should run like five to seven a game for him. I I would say, especially mm-hmm. when you need more of a diverse attack and you don't want you don't want to just like settle for threes because you run plays for Morris to catch in the mid post and he just puts up a contested shot. Um, so I think if you could run post ups for Morris, you could. I think Zoo has shown. Uh, some substantial growth on the offensive end that you could run it for him, but there's a reason we're not coaches in the NBA. I think Ty Lue eventually will do it though, because uh, just because of how well he's playing. And then we'll we're gonna touch on that later uh, as we talk about the Sixers and the Knicks game that just occurred. Um, anything else from you uh, in regards to the Nuggets loss? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, man, you, you, you just got me excited to talk about this Sixers game. Let's go right to the All Sixers right, game. Let's go to the Sixers game. Honestly, this was a Friday night, I think. Um, the Clippers Correct. were down 24 in this game and came back to win. And, and who, who were they down 24 to? Who coaches the other team? I, I just, I sometimes forget. I think it was Doc Rivers. Um, anyway, they were down 24 points. Came back to win 102-101. Just 10 days separated from their 25-point comeback, which was the fourth largest comeback in franchise history. So they recorded the fourth and fifth largest comebacks in franchise history within two weeks. Uh, It was a total team effort. There were seven guys in double figures. It was good to see Luke get back to kind of how he was playing before. He had two really big threes Mm -hmm. in the fourth where the game was kind of teetering. and. He and he was a little of, bit off to start, too. Yeah, and then I think that fourth, those two threes really um, gave the Clippers some momentum and energy going into it. Uh, Reggie was great, again, uh, as a piggyback off the Nuggets win. He had 19-9 and nine, 
Uh, in the fourth quarter, he had assists to Mook for a three out of an ATO. He had an assist to Batum off a double drag, I believe. He had an assist to Zoo, and then he had that last assist when the Clippers were up 98-97. He went downhill, got up in the air, adjusted his body, one hand passed to the corner to Amir Coffey, who let a defender fly by, and he had the biggest pull-up of his career. That was, I was really happy to see Amir Coffey hit that just to show all the work that he put in. And then Nico Batum was the story of that game, I thought. Did all the little things, defended Embiid in the second half. He hit big shots. Had a big offensive rebound uh, back top to Morris that tied the game at 96. And he literally just did everything. Even Reggie said he's the best glue guy in the, in the league. So, Jack, what impressed you the most about that 24-point comeback besides the fact that it came against Doc Rivers? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I thought Reggie was really big, uh, especially getting, you know, once we went down 24, he seemed to be the one to kind of hit those buckets to really steady ourselves and get back into our groove of things. And, yeah, you brought up uh, Batum's defense on Embiid, which I thought was phenomenal when we went to the small ball unit uh, and, we, and we went to it, you know, late in that third quarter to try to get back into it once we, once we had the big deficit. And we just really locked in defensively on Embiid. Uh, with Batum, you know, doubling him, fronting the post, Batum was really great at because Batum is just so long. He's strong. That rhymed. And he's just a smart player, too. So when you combine all three of those things, it's very, very hard to score on him because, you know, he's going to try to – he knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. He's going to use it against you, and he knows the, the opponent's strengths and weaknesses. So I thought that defense on Embiid, forcing him to, you know, just make it tough on him. And if he's getting an easy layup, the Clippers were quick to just foul him, make him earn at the line. And he's usually a great free throw shooter, but he missed some free throws this game that they could have really used because we only won by one point. So – any free throws that he missed were really, really, uh, you know, detrimental to them. And then when we came back into the game, it wasn't just this crazy stretch of like explosive scoring. Like we went on a crazy run or anything. Like we just slowly chip, chip, chipped away at it, getting some easy buckets, getting some stops and the non Embiid minutes uh, in that game too. in that second half were really, really tough for the Sixers. We took advantage of that completely. They had a, their offense without them was just, terrible at times and the Clippers took advantage of it we made sure to get on our offense and make sure our offense was running well canard like you said those huge fourth quarter for threes and the end of the game was wild too like you said that Amir coffee pull up and then we don't foul when we're uh up three and then Embiid gets a dunk but they wasted a lot of time they foul Marcus Morris who they show the stat 44 46 on his last free throws and I'm like why would they do that why would they do? They know about the broadcaster jinx. And then, of course, he misses both, which I don't think anyone expected to happen. But luckily, they it's a hard rebound, and there's a hustle, people diving, Morris diving, and then he's out of bounds. But they only have five seconds without any timeouts. Tyrese Maxey takes it all the way down, just kind of chucks up a floating, running, mid-range shot, really well contested by Reggie. And it kind of wedgies. It was like a half wedgie. It kind of stayed there for a second and then dropped, which was good. And yeah, rare wedgie kind of game winner, a wedgie on Reggie too. So yeah, big time win. And yeah, you know, the Clippers love that, especially, especially coming back against Doc. Clippers Twitter was, was on another level that night. That's for sure. Yeah. Also credit to Zoo. He had to defend Jokic one night who had 49 and then he goes to and beat the next night who had 40 and 13. Yeah. So that's, that is no easy task. 
So credit to Zoo. Some some players are just not going to stop. Doesn't matter who it is. Um, but those are the two best centers in the league. It might be one A, one B. I don't really know who to put over the other at this point, but that's tough. I still think Jokic has the edge. You think so? Honestly, I think it's the passing that I would give him the edge. But yeah. I think either way you're good. But he's literally yeah. I have I've either we'll, we'll Clippers will take either one yeah. of them. You know if they just want to throw him onto our team, we'll gladly take either one. Yeah, and I think also the thing about the when Morris missed those two free throws, I honestly was just mentally preparing for a game winner. I just I did not want a repeat of <laughs> the the OKC when Justice missed uh, the free throw and then brutal and then Shea hit the game winner. So. That honestly, you kind of couldn't me. mentally get ready for that though, because they had no timeouts and they just kind of went, and you couldn't really mentally prepare for anything. You just had to witness it. Yeah, they and, didn't have a time because yeah, when they have a timeout and then you wait for the commercials and then you get back and you have to wait for them to walk on, like you're just so stressed waiting for the moment. Yeah, but the, even I think even the the fact that they didn't have a timeout was really helpful for the Clippers, just because totally. totally. Uh, and B didn't touch it. Doc didn't get to draw mm-hmm. up a play. Maxi just goes all the way and just throws up a runner. I don't. I I think they just felt pre- they they felt pressed uh, as the Clippers uh, kept jabbing their way back into it. And then coaches will say, "Just make them feel you, make them feel you." So they 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 know you're there, and then you can kind of build up in your head, and then you kind of could press a little bit. But that was a really gutsy win by the Clippers, and it was it was you're right, it wasn't a spurt all at once. It was just mm-hmm. a gradual impact or a gradual comeback that happened over time. And that was that was pretty cool to watch, especially from a team that doesn't have the best offense in the league. It, it's cool to see just the whole, all of them come together and be the greater than some of their parts. So that was amazing. Totally. And Anything, it was good because yeah. as well, the Nuggets, the Nuggets game, we probably should have won that too. You know, we had that late fourth quarter lead. Yeah. Four-point overtime lead. So that one kind of left a bad taste in our mouth, pause. And then the Sixers game, you know, winning that one, it kind of just, it's kind of made up for it almost coming back from 24 against Doc. It was like, okay, at least we got this one. So we'll, you know, we'll go one and one yeah. against Jokic and Embiid. We'll go one, we'll take one and one. Yeah. Everyone out. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people, out. I'm sure a lot of people had them at 0 and 2 uh, if you were to give them, if you were to tell them those two games. So, oh. yeah, especially them being. You know, Ten. one day in between those games. Yeah, you're. Ha- I think you're definitely happy with one, one and one through that. Um, exactly. Anything else on that game before we go on to today's game? Hey, just shout out Clippers Twitter again for the the really really funny jokes that they were making after the game. Yeah, that was that was generational. Um, generational. Okay. This morning, the Clippers had a brunch game against the New York Knicks, 10 a.m. L.A. time. Pretty tough. Jack, I don't know if you slept in and missed some of it, but I watched it. It felt, it kind of just felt weird watching basketball that early. Um, unfortunately, the Knicks beat the Clippers 110 to 102. Uh, Reggie had another good game, 26 points, five assists. Avita Zubats had a, another great game, 17 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, Luke Kennard came, looks like he's getting back into form. He had 14 points on four of 10 shooting from three. And Brandon Boston had 13 points. He also had a really nice reverse lefty layup. That was probably the most hyped I was that game. Um, 
But yeah, it, it was just a tough game to watch. Uh, they were down by 12 or 13 in the first half, cut it to five by half. And then the third quarter, they're kind of like there. And then uh, the Knicks just kind of kept them at bay. And then in the fourth, the Clippers just couldn't, they couldn't hit a three. They It just didn't feel like much was going to happen. And then New York was hitting all their threes, it felt like. Um. Yeah, kind of a disappointing loss just because uh, you, you want to win it. But it's kind of hard to beat a team when they're shooting like that. Um, what do you think about that game, Jack? Yeah, agreed. I thought the Knicks, just from the jump, they were ready to go. Morning game. And, you know, for the Clippers, Pacific time, it was 10 a.m. So it kind of felt like one of those one of those morning games where the Clippers are a little bit lethargic and and of, of course you know I usually do sleep in but I had to wake up to watch the Clipper game John of course I watched it and the free throws I thought were the story of the game though Clippers oh, were yeah eighth in the league at free throws and shot 20 of 30 we got 30 free throws we got love from the refs they were giving us love but you miss 10 free throws and lose by eight oh Ty Lue, we're not gonna be happy about that but that's also you know maybe the morning game being on New York time too could have affected them because that doesn't usually happen. We're usually really great at free throws. So going 20 of 30, pretty unusual. Maybe we'll chop it off to the morning game. And as well as a lot of the threes missing, especially in the second half, uh, could chop that off to the morning game too. But that happens a lot to the Clippers. Sometimes they just go really ice cold from three. We, we tend to live by the three and die by the three in a lot of games, especially when missing PG and Kawhi. So, you know, no excuses. But, yeah, you got to hand it to the Knicks. They came out from the jump took a strong lead in the first quarter and we kept on trying to chip away, but we'd get into like five to seven and the Knicks would hit a three, hit a bucket or get a big dunk or something like that. And, and they'd go back up. So it, in that second half, it would just go from like five to seven to like 12, 13, 14, but we couldn't really get any closer. So it got a hand to them. Knicks have had a rough year, but they have some of these games where they'll, they'll play really well. So they, they, this is one of those games for sure. They really showed out for the MSG crowd. Yeah. Uh, some positives, I would say, for that game are probably Reggie continues to be a really good point guard for this team in terms of scoring and uh, his passing. Uh, Zoo, I think Zoo's building even more of a case to get those five place play calls for him after today. He helped me hit my over on my parlay. So hey, I, I'll, I'll always have that connection with him. Uh and then Nico Batum, man, he's literally a one through five defender. I tweeted that earlier. I he'll go from guarding Steph Curry or um, Damian Lillard to Bam Adebayo to God um, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. He's literally does everything you can ask for. I would be so sad if they even thought about trading him it would first of all it wouldn't make any sense second the salary it's not like it's moving a large salary but he drew t- yeah i don't he think drew, they will yeah yeah i don't think they will but he when i knew he was an elite glue guy was when he drew two uh offensive fouls off inbounds in the very same game. yeah that is on that is dedication <laughs> i that is that and the off ball charge are some of the most grimy turnovers you can force. And he had yep. two of those. 
So shout out Nico. It wasn't really he had two threes in the first quarter, didn't score the rest of the game. It was just a tough shooting night for everyone. Marcus Morris had a really tough game. Oh I, boy, this yeah. was he hasn't had a game like this in a long Wild. time though. I mean, yeah. 0 of nine, 0 of four from three, four points, like only 23 minutes. I thought Tyler wasn't even gonna play him for the rest of that fourth quarter for a little bit. Like it was just rough for him. Really, yeah. really rough. Yeah, I thought I I was wondering if he was gonna because he came out early in the third because of foul trouble i was wondering why he didn't put him in at the start of the fourth since he sat out a lot of the third but also mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta remember he's coming off the death of his friend so maybe exactly that, so. That, i'm not i'm not gonna condemn him on how he played today it, it, it's more than just one player that will lose you a game that was really tough exactly. overall yeah it was tough for the whole team kind of weird thing isaiah hartenstein only played four minutes I guess I guess it made sense though because Serge was doing was doing well on offense. Guess yeah, I thought the bench was. did really well. Kennard with fourteen, T Man with nine, Boston with thirteen, Ibaka with nine. Like the bench really shut out this game and really outscored the Knicks bench. But yeah, Amir Coffee only two points. He's been playing well lately, but yeah, yeah kind of not a too rare, big of a game for him this time. A rare quiet game from Amir Coffee, which we're we're not yeah. used to saying the past few games. We're still praising him. Uh <laughs> like a lot the past two weeks, but he's, yeah. I, I think it's just, it, it's one of those games maybe for some players, but T-Man, I also thought there are times where he just hesitates, but it's. Yeah. I, he has been pretty hesitant. Yeah. I think it's that against the Nuggets on Wednesday when he didn't shoot that, when Reggie kicked it back to him, I, I think ever since that, I we've seen the past two games, a little more hesitation, but it's it's funny because he was a different player when he became a starter and he was shooting it no hesitation shooting with confidence he he just needs to build back to that i don't know if it's mm-hmm. because he moved back to the bench and he's not playing with as good of players as he would with the starters but i th- i think he can get back into it i think a lot of it's mental right now and he's just got to he's got to trust his work but i i'm looking forward to seeing how he bounces back from that um yeah, pretty sad brunch game. Anything else from you on that one? Um, Yeah, like you said with T-Man, I think, yeah, it could be tough going from starter to bench to kind of figuring out your role. Um, Like we saw in the Utah playoff series, like when you got that starting role, you, you know, with PG and Reggie and getting open threes, open cuts, like he was thriving in that role. So sometimes, you know, going from bench to starter can kind of kind of trick you and he sometimes doesn't really know what to do, but I think he'll come around. Obviously, a lot of people were expecting a huge debut or breakout year for him this year, and it hasn't really been that. But I still think he's done pretty well in some he's games. Improved. He's just not, yeah, he's he's doing well. He's just not having like a you know a most improved player kind of year, but he's still doing well. And I think he'll come around. And even in playoff time or play in time when we get there, I still think he'll be. A, hopefully, if we're healthy or semi healthy, I still think he'll be a big part in in helping us win games. Yeah, even if he's not, like, having that breakout season people expected. Also, you can't let that 39-point performance cloud your judgment or your expectations about what he should be. Even though that's uh, – or they wanted him to get, like, 15, 17 off the bench, he's still averaging, like, nine. And I think that's – it's okay, considering how well Luke's playing. Um, exactly. Every, everyone's sharing the wealth, so it's not really – you don't need him to put up massive numbers. You just want him to play with confidence to compete 
defend, uh, show some improvement on his jumper, on his playmaking. But that's the thing. He's still he's only in his uh, third season. Clippers locked him up for the next two years, so he'll he has time. It's it's kind of tough to expect so much from young from young guys. Also, he was a second round pick, so yeah, it's gonna be tough. So the Clippers in those past four games went two and two. Are you satisfied with that record given the opponents? Yeah, I think that's pretty solid, especially with. You know, Batum missing one, Marcus Morris missing one, Kennard, like, coming back in, adjusting, going two and two against Pacers, Nuggets, Sixers, Knicks. Like, it's pretty solid. That's pretty good. And then, you know, almost going three and one, really. Yeah. Could have won that Nuggets game. So, like, and then coming back from 24 down and one of the wins, like, it's hard to ask for more, I guess. That was those. That was a pretty, pretty solid stretch. And seeing Reggie come back into a groove and Zubak really doing well, like, I think it's it was a pretty good stretch of games the past week for the Clippers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with two and two. It's also with the Clippers, they'll they'll give you some great wins against teams they shouldn't be, and then they'll give you some losses against teams they should be. And kind yeah. of, and they're they're like a 500 team and without two two stars. So I don't want to be too harsh on them. So and I'm happy with the fight they put up, the development of the young players. So I will take 500 without your two best players. I think that's, I think that's pretty good considering what you're totally saying. agreed. Keep it rolling, baby. Keep it rolling. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Jack, are you ready to introduce our next, or sorry, I'll introduce it. Are you ready to participate in our next original segment? Let's do it. I love our original segments. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? Um, this one, ladies and gentlemen, is called Dunk or Dish. What I'm going to do is give Jack a topic, and he's going to let me know if he's going to dunk it, which means he likes it, or if he's going to dish it, which means he doesn't want it. Kind of like how Ben Simmons did in the Hawks game. Sometimes you catch it under the basket, you want to dunk it, or sometimes you want to dish it. You just never know. Jack, do you understand the game? <laughs> I understand it. The Ben right. Simmons game. Let's do it. All right. It, that's not what it is. But anyway, um, <laughs> dunk or dish? This one's tough. Terrence Mann as a starter. Okay, maybe not that tough. Hey, okay, so are we talking – with everyone healthy or with just PG and Kawhi out? Uh, just PG and Kawhi out. Like how the team is right now. Okay. Okay. I think I'll, I'll dish it for now. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, this last week, uh, him coming off the bench, I think it's actually been pretty, you know, like we said, we did pretty well with it. And so it's okay for now. And especially with Amir Coffee playing really well lately. Right. I'm I'm kind of okay with him off the bench, even though he he sometimes plays better as a starter and he certainly could start games. It's kind of one of those tough things that I'm 50-50 on, you know. Yeah. I that one is I think as easy as that you just keep him off the bench. 
but I think he just okay. plays so much better as a starter that it would help. That's him. the thing. That's why I'm like, oh, what do yeah, you do? But, but then I'm like, does that help the overall? Will it help the overall team? Like, what what's gonna happen with Amir Coffee? I mean, Amir Coffee's used to coming off the bench, but he's been he's been great. So, and I think he's earned mm-hmm. the starting. Uh, Coffee's earned the starting spot. So that I think that one's tougher the more you think about it. But I think you don't overthink it then you just don't. Agreed. Yeah. You don't. I think if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If him coming off the bench is leading to us winning some of these games, let's keep it as is. Yeah. And then I think once Isaiah Hartenstein earns his uh, backup center spot back, then the lit, the lit lineup is going to be good again, like it was in the beginning of the season. Their, their net rating was one of the highest. Uh, was I think it was the highest net rating, those three, uh, early in the year. So I think once Hartenstein gets – uh, gets his rhythm back. I think they'll be good. Okay. Next, um, next topic. Dunker dish. This one, I think. This one, I think earlier, like a week ago, you could make a case, but I think now you can't. Dunker dish. Eric Bledsoe as a starter. Oh yeah, definitely dish that. I mean, Reggie this past week has been phenomenal as a starter. Um, yeah, I, I would say last week, you know, people on Twitter, they were like, should Bledsoe start over Reggie right now? You know, with, with these guys out, is, is that the move we have to make? But then Reggie has just been balling this last week. And so, I, yeah, I actually like Bledsoe off the bench, too. I think he's just a solid backup point guard. Like, even when we're fully healthy, like, I really like Bledsoe off the bench. Him with Serge or him with Hardenstein, like, I feel like he just works as that. He's good at attacking. And when his shot is falling, that's also a huge help. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's a really solid backup guard in this league for where he is right now in his career. And I think, I think we should keep it at that. Yeah. I, I think last week I would have really considered it given how bad Reggie shot the whole season, but I think this past week, it's like, he hurt us and he's redeemed himself and he's been just an animal scoring playmaking. Um, and I thought Bledsoe had a really good stint coming off the bench. I think we should just kind of build that rapport or he should build that rapport with that second unit. So that one's pretty easy. Okay, next topic. This one's a little more controversial. I don't know if controversial is the right word. Anyway, dunk or dish, fouling on a final possession when you're up three. Oh, always got a foul. Shout out B-Ball Breakdown. He did, he did a whole video on this and, and the stats of how often teams win when they foul while they're up three or how often they lose when they don't. And yeah, fouling while up three is the better option. Now, it does depend on how much time is left on the clock, which definitely factors in into the coach's decision. Like sometimes Ty Lue does it, sometimes he doesn't. In the Sixers game, he didn't, and he kind of just wanted to guard the three, but there was a lot of time left. Whereas against the Celtics, when we fouled Tatum, there wasn't as much time left. So he, you know, he kind of just was like, let's just foul and then hit our free throws and we should be good. So I think it depends on the time situation, the timeout situation, but when in doubt, I would definitely foul up three on a final possession because your chances of winning are just better when you do that statistically. Okay. I'm kind of on the fence about this because um, when you do that, I think it turns the game into a free throw and rebounding contest. And then there's so much variability. Like let's say you you're up three then you foul, <clears throat> excuse me. And then off the second free throw, you have to put in your bigs and they may not be the best free throw shooters. Once they get the rebound, they're fouling your, 
your bad free throw shooters, and then you got to rely on making both. And if they even just split one, it's just a two point game. On top of that, I think the benefit of it is if you foul them, then I think it puts more pressure on the team that's down because now they're like, oh my God, now I have to make these. And then if they, even if they miss it on purpose, it just puts a lot of variability into the game. But I think for now, I'll just disagree with you. And I'd rather just say, just play good defense, get, get a good contest. <laughs> but, hey, we'll, but, that, but that's we'll the see. thing is like, it's so difficult to miss a free throw on purpose. Then it's difficult to get the rebound when the other team knows you're missing it on purpose and they're subbing in their rebounders. So you have to miss it on purpose, get the rebound. And then let's say you're, I don't know, let's say you're down two still. You then have to get it, try to score after getting the rebound, and who knows where it is. Maybe there's only, like, a couple seconds left. And you don't have that much time. Like, that's so much more difficult. It's it's a tough one. It does depend on the time and situation, but it's so difficult. Because it's like if you're down three, you just come down. You shoot a three. Like, that's a better chance than, you know, missing a free throw on purpose, getting the rebound, kicking it out, doing this and that. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm team foul while up three. I'm on that okay. team. Okay, we can and be on led by side. Coach Jack. Yeah, we'll and be Coach on different Jack sides. Doesn't lose. It's okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> last topic to close out the pod. Um, dunk or dish? Clippers making a trade at the deadline. We're the Clippers, John. Is what we do. We trade at the deadline. For better or that's for just, worse. That's just what we do. Sometimes, hey, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. It, you're gonna have to see, but. Clippers like the trade at the deadline, and you know it could be Surge, could be someone else. For who? Oftentimes it's a fan favorite. Oftentimes it is a fan favorite. So they move in silence. Not a lot of leaks. So just on that trade deadline, just be ready for your phone to explode. Would Would you be upset if they traded Brandon Boston for a uh, if because if they had to include him to with big contracts to get like a good player back, like let's say maybe a like a Sabonis or a, or a Fox or well, that's the thing. I think yeah. the Clippers would only trade him if it, if they for sure knew they were winning the trade or that it was worth it. You know, they, this, this year doesn't seem like a, like a year where the Clippers are like, win now, win now we have to win every game because obviously with our health situation, but they could still just make a sneaky move for next year. And when we get healthy, make a move for then. So you never know, but typically the Clippers, the way they move, they like to make at least usually one trade at the deadline. Yeah, I, I think, but it'll, but be, it'll be at midnight. One. It'll be at midnight or 1am. So I, that's usually their move too. I think the most they should do is just surge who probably wants to go somewhere. He wants to play and get like draft capital back. And then they'll get under the tax line. Um, But I don't, I really don't see a reason for them to trade anyone from the core just because this team is built for Kawhi and PG and they're hovering around 500 without them. So I really just don't think they really need it, but we're not in the front office. We don't know. We're not as smart as them. We'll just see trade trade deadline uh, is really exciting for me. I don't care who gets traded for what I just like seeing Woj tweet. Uh, I'm just a sucker for that guy. What a what a great guy, <laughs> Woj. But yeah, I, I love, seeing love him. Yeah, I love seeing trades. Even the Blake one, I was like, it was kind of crazy for me. I I wasn't too upset about it, but I, it's just like seeing the trades are are just a really exciting time as a fan. So 
Yeah. And that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our pod. Thank you for the people that listened to the debut episode and reached out to us. Uh, Got some kind messages from people. Again, just let us know what we can do better, what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, any segment ideas, I guess, if you want to create some. We have some, but if if there's something the fans really want to hear, We'll re- uh we'll go to work and try to get it out to you, uh yeah. So go ahead and follow us. Leave us a nice rating on the Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts on. Jack, uh, where can they find you at on Twitter? They can find me at Jack Clippers on Twitter. I love all of you, and let us know if we should dunk or dish the dunker dish segment you like that john no i hate you anyway you can follow me at courtside underscore clips thank you guys so much uh we'll be back next week with another episode see you guys